1: Hello, and welcome to Podcasting Smarter. This is Norma Jean Belenki, Podbean's head of events. And in today's episode, we'll be speaking with Bethany Hawkins, the creator of Crackers and Soup and the podcast Chatting Over Chowder on podcast entrepreneurship, how to start your own podcast company, how to create offerings, and so much more. Stay tuned, and here we go. Hi, Bethany. How's it going? Hi, Norma Jean. I'm so excited to talk to
0: you. Every time I talk to you, it's just my heart gets filled with so much happiness and love.
1: Oh, I am so happy to be here as well and to share your journey and talk all about podcast entrepreneurship. So first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started with crackers and soup and what is crackers and soup? So Crackers and Soup is a delicious meal,
0: but it is also a podcast production and management company that I created in 2019. I was in the corporate world for 18 plus years and I was like, "Okay, I'm done with this. Thank you for playing. I want to create a business. And three years before I decided to create this business, I was introduced to podcasts and became obsessed. So I wanted to do something that I was absolutely obsessed with and that I wasn't going to be bored with and something that was going to allow me to learn as well as get those foldable dollar bills. So I concentrated my business on podcasting and that is where we are today.
1: Fantastic. (laughs) Where we are today. And tell us a little bit how you got into podcasting because for everybody, it's a different journey of how they got into podcasting, whether it's you had a podcast, you went to journalism school, you know, tell us a little bit about how you jumped in with both feet.
0: I didn't do any of those things. Um, My my degrees and certifications are actually in criminal justice and paralegal certifications and studies, which has served me very well in the podcasting industry. (laughs) Um, But what I did have was tenacity and transferable skills. So when you are in the corporate world, you have to be organized, you have to have the gumption to learn how to do things yourself. So I brought all of those transferable skills that I had curated and nurtured for almost two decades into the podcasting realm. So I did what I always do. I research. I went about buying courses. I went about going to YouTube and figuring out how to do particulars. I ended up retaining coaches and audio engineers to teach me how to navigate editing, as well as how to write show notes, how to how to produce how to what it looks like to go into a recording studio and ask people to do a line three, four times when they are just parched and exhausted. So all I I am a just avid learner. I'm a ferocious learner. Um, I never think that I know it all. Um, I'm always looking for an opportunity to learn. So all of those skills, I was able to create a lucrative business. And now I have team members and employees. And I joined groups to kind of teach me how to go about podcasting as well as how to go about creating a business in one of those very supportive, amazing groups. This woman had dropped her newest podcast episode and I was just getting started and I asked her if I could do her show notes because I noticed she didn't have any show notes and I really enjoyed her podcast. And she said, absolutely. And that is literally how I got my first podcasting gig.
1: Amazing. Amazing. And I mean, it just sounds like you took a lot of that, like tenacity from other, other jobs, other roles, and you really applied it to something that you love podcasting and with that first client or with that first experience as something where, you know, you saw a way to add value for them. And you said, Hey, you know, I can write your show notes. How about you, you know, give me a shot. And so I think that's, that's such an important aspect for everybody out there. Who's like, Oh, am I that, you know, there's that perpetual question am i good enough <laughs> am i qualified enough and i think you know we all get better with time and it just takes that initiative to get started so that's such a that's such an important aspect and beautiful story about how you got into podcasting and for everybody out there listening it's so true right there's people who you know go to audio documentary and journalism school there's people who start a podcast and go from there there's people who start production companies because they are good at writing show notes or editing or all of those things, but it's really, there's no, you know, there's no cookie cutter journey. There's no law school (laughs) of podcasting yet. So it's definitely beautiful and interesting and exciting to hear how so many different people enter the industry. And you did say that you have an eight, uh, you had an 18 year career in criminal justice. So what skills did you use from that career, uh, within podcasting when you were first starting and then now with crackers and soup?
0: I use all of the skills. So I had to be articulate when I was, I was an office administrator for a district attorney's office. So I had to go about dealing with million dollar budgets. I had to be organized. I had to show people how, um, I had to show people why we deserved another position. I had to have statistical backup for the need for other positions. I had to write grants. Um, for one of the positions within the body of the office. I was responsible for hiring and firing. So all of those kind of standard opera- operating procedures is what I brought into my business as well as what I brought into podcasting. So I feel that a lot of people get very hung up on the skills of podcasting and not the aspect of podcasting be being seen as a business. When in all actuality, if you are a profitable podcaster, if you have you know people that are listening to your, your podcast each week, and you have a Patreon, or you have sponsors, and you're receiving money from podcasting, that podcast just transitioned from a hobby, especially if you're making over $600 and live in the United States, into a taxable income business. So if you start treating your podcast as a business from the start, you probably won't have the IRS knocking on your door when you start rolling around in your podcasting riches.
1: Absolutely. And I think that it's important to, you know, $600 a year isn't that much. And I think it depends on where where you are, right? And podcasters are global, but it is important to make sure that you set yourself up and treat your initiative seriously like a business if that's the goal that you have for it. Um, and especially, you know, with that monetization is something where it may not all come from one place. It may not come from where you expect, right? It may be something where, you know, you'd like to get all of your money from, podca- from podcast advertising, but maybe you get new clients from having your podcast because people hear about you know what your what your business is or if you're a coach you know what your offerings are that kind of thing um or from a patron like we have a podbean there's so many different avenues of revenue for podcasting and and within monetization so it's important to understand that the business side of it and the podcasting side of it are are different right and so if you're an amazing editor but you don't have a business set up <laughs> that may not be a business right it may just be something where you're a great editor for your own podcast. And if you have a podcast and you don't want to do editing, you can hire an editor, but still own your own podcast and, and have your own business and monetize it. So there's definitely that aspect of it. And I want to pivot a little bit. What are some tips and best practices you can offer for beginners and people just getting into podcasting and who've worked only on their own shows and, and who want to start you know, taking that, whether it's freelance or professional podcast path?
0: I think if you're looking to become a professional in this in this industry i think the number one thing that you need to do is establish some sort of tool in which for you to be organized so if you're just, if you're working on your own podcast it's very easy to kind of navigate through and f- figure out oh where's that audio or what i'm go- what am i going to do for repurposing content but when you're introducing outside entities into paying you for an amazing podcasting experience. I think the thing that sets you up for success is having everything all in one place and being able to show your client where everything is going to be, how it's going to be uploaded, and letting them know when their deliverables are going to be received. So if you tell your client, I'm gonna give you your deliverables three days before your podcast drops, you need to give them their items three days before their podcast drops.
1: Yeah, that professionalism aspect. Absolutely.
0: It's so important. So not only is it you are professional skills, but it's also communication. It's also following guidelines and deadlines. It's also creating, looking into the, I know I keep talking about legalities and it could be the criminal justice in me, Um, but looking into the legalities of your contract, that contract is binding. You need to start thinking about what you're going to incorporate within the body of that contract before you have a client that's going to sign it. Also start thinking about client systems. Are you going to be using a system like HoneyBook? Are you going to be using a system like Dubsado where you can just send an invoice or send a contract or send a proposal very easily? All of these little things are going to make and set you up for success in the podcasting business world better than just doing it all willy-nilly. So actually coming up with some sort of business plan initially and then start seeking out clients is what I would recommend.
1: Absolutely. And I think also, like you were saying, being clear with expectations and having those expectations within the agreement. So make sure that you have clear agreements. I think that's a really big aspect on the front end. Um, And for everybody out there who, you know, has experienced pod fade or is afraid of experiencing pod fade, which is that podcast burnout. How do you get around pod fade and create sustainable success for yourself?
0: I think again, it goes back to, did you have a plan in place? Did you have a plan for season breaks? If you are like, no, we're just going to run right through them until, you know, 2026, I'm going to drop a podcast every week. It's going to be amazing. And then Six episodes in, you realize, wow, this is a huge undertaking that I wasn't prepared for. Having an honest conversation with yourself and saying, "I either need a season break, or I need to go to every other week," or just just knowing who you are in that real realization absolutely helps with pod fade. And I think it also needs to be said that if your podcast does does pod fade for some reason you get overwhelmed, you get super busy, you just get exhausted. You feel like you have nothing to say. You can always go back to it. As long as you're paying your podcast hosting station, you can go back and upload an episode at any time. You don't have to be apologetic to the person or or to the people who are listening to that episode. You don't have to say, oh my gosh, I can't believe I've been gone for six months. Ah. No, you don't have to fall on your sword. It's fine.
1: <laughs> yes. Just,
0: share your story and people may not even necessarily know that you were gone due to the Netflix binge
1: effect. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the thing, right? Like with Podbean, we're a hosting company. And so when you have your podcast hosted with us, you know, if you, if you miss a month, if you miss a year, you know, as long as you're hosted with us, those episodes are going to be there. They're evergreen, right? And so people can still find your show and listen to your show and be excited about it. So I think that's a really great aspect as well, just to be kind to yourself and understand the the magnitude of what you're doing and to give yourself that grace breaks, build in the breaks when you're planning out your podcast is such an important aspect. And, you know, you've started, you've started crackers and soup. Um, you know, it's your own business and you have gotten clients successfully. We'll get into your success in a bit, but what are some ways that you started to build that part of your business in terms of getting clients? Let's, let's talk about that.
0: I love that. It's uh, my clients and my team members are absolutely my favorite part of my company because I get to work with just the most amazingly dope women who I never would have met and our paths probably never would have crossed if I didn't open up this business. So I am so eternally grateful. And how I got them is literally through connection. I would be part of Facebook groups. I would be part of podcasting organizations like women of color podcasters norma and i had spoken about them a little bit before we we hit the record button
1: absolutely (laughs) shout out to danielle desire she's fantastic
0: hey danielle hey girl hey Uh, (laughs) but groups like that totally brought the clientele to me because they were my people another organization that i really enjoy is pod people I think that they're they're a great organization um asa collective they really concentrate on women podcasters so i think that for in order to get clientele you really need to know who your client is and where they hang out so if you want to be in the podcasting business and you only want to work with teachers who are podcasters who talk about the educational experience go someplace where teachers
1: are. <laughs> right. <laughs> Don't go to some place where the doctors hang out, find the teachers. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, it's something where those communities out there exist, right? So it's, it is really about building your network and making sure that you go to where your ideal clients are. Absolutely. That's such a great aspect.
0: In the power of connection, even if they're not, quote unquote, your ideal client, you never know who's going to be speaking your name in a room where you don't even belong. So I really encourage people to stop looking at other people as dollar signs or paychecks and look at them just as a whole human being, really get to know them. And if you enjoy them and you keep that rapport up, Dollars to donuts, they're going to mention you if someone's asking, hey, do you know a great podcast manager? Do you know a great podcast producer? Do you know anybody who works in the podcasting industry? Because they genuinely like you. And we always talk about things that we genuinely like.
1: Absolutely. It's relational. You know, it's not. And this is the thing about podcasting that we talk about all the time here at Podbean. Podcasting, even though, you know, you feel like you're alone with your microphone, you're not, there's an entire world of podcasters out there and entire communities of people who want to connect with you and want the same things and want the same results. So if you're looking, if you're an editor and you're looking for a podcast to edit, there are people out there. (laughs) There are people out there who want to hire good editors and who want editors that care about their podcasts and like their podcasts and that it's a good fit for. So I think that's a really important aspect of it as well. Um, And I want to pivot a little bit and talk about what services creators can charge for, because I think people get in a little bit of a narrow mindset of it. I mean, we've just been talking about editing a little bit, but there's so many different aspects within podcasting that as an entrepreneur, as a podcast business owner, you can charge for, you know, that are valuable to podcasters out there. So let's, let's kind of break it down in terms of what are some services that you've seen be popular, right? Production, pre-production, social editing, you know, what are, what are some of those services that creators can charge for?
0: I'm so excited about this question because I, like you said, I feel as if people have a narrow mindset on all of the different businesses you can create out just from out of podcasting. And you mentioned the editing, you mentioned the, you mentioned post production, but there's also graphic designing. There is one person who her entire business is just creating cover art from for podcast hosts. There's also, if you are a copywriter, we've spoken about show notes. People need show notes. People need a podcast. At the bare minimum, people need some sort of podcast description to place on a lot of podcast hosting service so that they can be distributed to certain platforms like Apple and Spotify. Coming up with ideas to create a title name. Some people just don't have that imagination for a podcast title name that can fall under the, the umbrella of copywriting. Another one that I absolutely love is music producing. People don't realize that if you are producing music, you can absolutely sell the music that you're creating to a podcaster for their intro, for their outro, for their transition music. Another one that also comes to mind is a virtual assistant. Have somebody that can go into your inbox and handle all of the guest management. There's actually just a person who handles guest management. (laughs) So there are so many different ways to get your foot in the door when it comes to podcasting that all concentrates on your genius. What is your genius? I guarantee there is an opportunity for you to be in the podcasting industry with your genius.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, whether you are working in social media, whether you're editing with your graphic designer, whether you create music, podcasters need all those things right, <laughs> for a full scale production, whether it's guest booking, right? Whether it's helping, like you were saying with a virtual assistant, whether it's, you know, gathering bios for your guests, all of that. Is a job, so it's definitely something where, you know, if you don't think there's value in it, there is. (laughs) You're wrong. There's value. There's value in it, Um, and it's it's really important to understand that a lot of podcasters can feel overwhelmed. So it's not that, you know, you're you're selling them something, and it's a hard sell. People are excited about bringing on help and bringing on extra production because their podcasts are successful. So it's definitely a win-win. And rates in the industry can vary wildly. So. You know, I think it's different for for every podcaster and for every um, podcasting business, but how did you learn what to charge?
0: I learned what to charge in a myriad of different ways. And I actually coach podcast business owners. And this is what I tell my clients who have retained me. Look at all of your skills and your assets and also look at all of the software it takes to create that deliverable. Look at things such as a percentage of your electricity, your computer cost, your educational training to learn that skill. All of these things are wrapped up in your final package for that particular client or for any of your clients because you wouldn't be able to create that deliverable for them if you didn't have all of those things. So for me, when I was trying to figure out packaging, I in my prices, I looked at all of those things. And then I looked a little bit at what other people were doing in the industry. But I really didn't take a lot of, of stock in that because there was such a huge variation. So I know what I can produce. And I know in which the quality that I can produce it. And I know how I invested in myself and in my business to learn how to create all of these things for my clients. So that is what I base my rate on. And we're not the most expensive, but we're definitely not inexpensive. So when clients retain us, I know that it's an investment. I take that very seriously. So I wanna give them what they're paying for. And I think we've been extremely successful in doing that.
1: Absolutely, and I think those are such important things And benchmarks for everyone out there to consider when you're thinking about, hey, what should I charge, right? A lot of people who maybe are looking at podcasting um, as freelancing in terms of a career or something on the side, a bit of a side hustle, they may not be thinking like, hey, what percentage of my electric bill (laughs) is this taking? Or, oh, I'm editing my own podcast, so I already bought the software. No, you really should factor it into into your rate. So those are all so important. Um, and I, I want to ask next, how much money can people make from podcasting?
0: I think that goes with anything, however much you want to make. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, what is, what is your dedication? What is, and are you able to roll with the punches? Because just like with anything else, podcasting has seasons. So they're is a time in the summer when a lot of podcasters just want to take a break. They're tired. They want to go hang out with their family. They want to be out in the sun or the beach. And they just say, hey, we're gonna, I'm going to take a season break. So being aware that podcasting opportunities could be happening in season and setting yourself up by planning for like different quarters ahead of time is absolutely going to save you stress and overwhelm. Um, especially if you have a team. I think that what you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. I would, last year alone, we made six figures. I would never say, let me coach you, you're immediately gonna make six figures. Because maybe that's not what you want. Maybe that's not something that you are excelling to do. Maybe you're just trying to get your dog some dental surgery or something like, I don't know your life. I don't know what you
1: want. <laughs> right. Like, what are your goals? Exactly. Yes. Exactly. And I think that that's, that's something that I think is so important to remember. But, you know, like you said, you reached the six figure mark and that's huge, huge. So congratulations there. Um, and on creating that six figure podcast business that took time. So if you could go back to yourself when you started, what, what would you tell yourself?
0: I would tell myself that I'm doing better than I think I am. It definitely took time. It definitely took patience. It definitely took me continuing to make those connections that I've already spoken about and consistently remembering why I left, quote unquote, the safe paycheck to do what I'm doing now so i would tell myself this was a huge feat and i am so proud of who you are and what you're doing and it is going to be better than you had ever ever expected or anticipated
1: oh that's beautiful and so kind <laughs> to our past selves i think a lot of the time you know when you're in it or or you leave an established career or something stable for entrepreneurship or something that, you know, is unknown. It's so important to know that greatness can come from that. So that's so beautiful. Um, and I also want to talk about navigating the podcast landscape as a BIPOC creator, because I've heard that can be challenging and a lot of BIPOC creators, you know, can use encouragement. So what, what's some insight, um, that you can share about how we can all treat everyone fairly and overcome implicit bias. I think within every industry it exists, but within podcasting, we're all working really hard to make sure that things are equal and fair and that, you know, the stories that need to be told are. So do you have any insight there?
0: I think it's absolutely to trust yourself. If you feel like somebody is meeting with you, because they want to say that they have a BIPOC person on their staff or a BIPOC person working with them, there is definitely a vibe and an energy and a feel in that. And especially for new people trying to break into the industry, it is very easy to ignore that visceral feeling, that goosebump, that stomach ache—that something isn't quite a hundred percent perfect with this matchup of potential client and just say, okay, well, they're willing to pay my invoice, so it's gonna be fine, I'm just imagining things. Um, That ends up with having a quote unquote learning lesson client in the end. So really talking with people who are potentially wanting to hire you, finding out their motive, of why they want to hire somebody, and that's and that's with anything. like, why do you want to hire me for your podcast? what What are you hoping to gain out of it? Can I provide what you what you hope to gain out of it? And having right. those really in-depth conversations are really, really important and will save you so many headaches in the future. So again, if you feel a little yuck about something, don't ignore that when you're speaking with somebody. And that's kind of the only, I, and I had that situation happen and I had to, um, respectfully remove that person from my client roster. And the whole time I was like, wow, I've, I've been tokenized in my own business and I knew it was going to happen and I completely ignored it. So, oh, I <laughs> so learn from my mistakes, people. <laughs> it's
1: so hard though, I think when you're starting a business to say no. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's so mm-hmm. hard to say no to clients, right? Because that's the whole point of having the business. And, and I think making sure that you are within your integrity and that you feel comfortable with the clients that you're getting and that you, you know, have that understanding with them that they're happy about your services. And that it's not something like tokenism um, about why they're retaining your services. So I think listening to your intuition is, is really fantastic in that regard. Um, and it's something that, you know, is so important. <laughs> like, like don't, you know, don't push those feelings down. And, and I think that's something that, you know, when you're starting a business and you want revenue, it's, it's very easy to justify, but in the long run, you know, building a sustainable business, that's something that you have to really consider um, in all areas of listening to intuition. So that's really amazing advice. And you also offer coaching for other podcast businesses. So what does that entail? And, and what are some common hurdles that, that podcasters face when they're starting out with a, with a business?
0: I fell into coaching podcast business owners. Um, I got people sliding in my DMS saying, I never knew somebody could make six figures. How did you do this? Can you offer me some advice? What does your day look like? And I was like, well, I'm typing, I'm sick of typing these answers. So so let me offer (laughs) either a coaching coaching program, one-on-one or a group coaching program. And that's what I did. So my group coaching program, it is five weeks and we go through different particulars each week, and my members are assigned homework. We meet weekly to discuss the homework. I give Voxer support during those weeks, and at the end of the fifth week, we have a celebratory lunch for our last meeting. We talk about reflections, and I make them tell me what goals they have for their business for the next four months, and then I follow up with them within that four-month period to see if they are doing what they said they're going to do. So (laughs) there is a lot of accountability. There is a lot of communication. There is a lot of talking about your packages, your structure of your business, your mindset. Mindset is actually week number one. We discuss mindset because if your mindset isn't where you need it to be, no matter if you have structure or clients or marketing skills, you're gonna set yourself up to not meet the goals that you wanna meet. So that is the group coaching program. And I just finished my last cohort and we're starting up again in October, um, the third week in October, actually October 24th. Um, And the one-on-one coaching program, it is a three-month commitment And I work with you one-on-one to go over all of the things in your business that you haven't even considered, like your hiring process. What's going to happen when you start getting all of these clients and you need to hire somebody to come and assist you? I start also talking about, do you like your packages? (laughs) Because... In every single cohort thus far, I have had at least two people who didn't even like what they were offering in their podcasting business. And that is a recipe for failure. You do not want to continue to do something that is just chapping your whole butt. You wanna do something that makes you alive and that you are excited every day to work on this. So those are the things like, I I call you out, I use
1: profanity because I'm a swearer, uh, but I'm doing very well in this interview. <laughs> Good job. Good job. We are, we, are, we are pretty neutral here at Podcasting Smarter at Podbean. I we want everybody to be able to listen, so we prefer not yes. to mark the episodes as explicit. <laughs> but I think that's really great advice, you know, being really excited about what you're offering and having that support because when you start a business, it can feel really lonely. You can feel like you're the only one doing it, and that can feel really hard for a lot of people. So that's definitely something that, you know, it sounds like a lot of podcasters would find useful because they'll have that support. Um, so that's fantastic. And then, um, I just want to ask you one last quick question where in the industry, where do you think the industry is headed? Because podcasting is growing at such an exponential rate here at Podbean, you know, we host over 600,000 podcasts, so (laughs) we're really growing. Um, and so what have you seen in terms of podcasting that you think is going to going to continue and expand.
0: I love that BIPOC and women are coming together and getting their voices heard in this medium and in this industry. And I want to encourage as many BIPOC and women as possible to start off now because it is important and it's, a, and it's encouraged to start when it this medium is still young so that we can shift how it operates, so we can add our ideas on how there should continue to be a low barrier of entry. Because this medium allows you to just I mean, pick up your phone and record and get an RSS feed and you can and in cover art in podcast description and you can create a podcast. Yeah,
1: yeah popping, you, know, you can do it in five minutes from your phone. Yeah. You can literally do it for <laughs> five
0: minutes from your phone. Like yeah. there's there's no other industry where that can happen.
1: <laughs> right.
0: So if we're able to create the foundation now, it will prevent what usually happens, which is a lot of, dare I say, white males come in, dominate it, and then allow who they want to to come in. So I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that with podcasting growing as it is, that it's allowing everybody to come in and have a piece of the pie Absolutely. and share that generally within each of their generations.
1: Absolutely. Oh, well, we share that vision here with you at Podbean Um, and we'll have your links in the comments, but before we end, let us know how to get in touch with you and how people can reach out to you. And we didn't even go over chatting over chowder, which is your podcast. If you want to give a quick shout out, um, tell us a bit about it.
0: Sure, Chatting Over Chowder is an award-winning podcast and we talk to women in the podcasting industry a- about what podcasts they listen to while literally eating chowder. Yes, we send our guests soup or chowder. It doesn't have to be chowder. Some people don't like the thickness. Um, but we give them <laughs> <laughs> we give them a link and they choose whatever soup or chowder that they like and yeah, we send it we send it to them. It's an amazing. I, I love it. I love getting new podcast ideas from people from women in this industry that I just adore and respect. And it is just a business write off way for me to kiki, kiki it up with my friends. So yeah,
1: <laughs> that, that's, well, that's the chatter. best though. And I think that's how so many podcasters get into having a podcasting business. Right? We love it. We have our own shows, and we just want to you know continue to dig our dig our hands in even further into the industry because it's so much fun and. And like you said, there's so many friends in podcasting. So Bethany Hawkins, it has been such a pleasure. We'll have all of your links here in the show notes. And thank you for joining us on Podcasting Smarter. Thank you for having me, Norma Jean. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Podcasting Smarter. If you have any podcasting questions or want to get in touch, send us an email at podcastingsmarter at podbean.com. Thanks so much and happy podcasting.